So we uh, we haven't done a pod for a little while, um, but the last time we did one, just me and you, we were talking about uh, external training tools. Um, we talked on like shoes, we talked on uh, massage balls and whatnot, and I got some more kind of topics that we can riff on a bit. The first one we can take a lot of different ways, but uh, it's just mirrors. And obviously there's like how people interact with the gym mirror. There's also how people mirror others um, that we can get into. But we've talked a bit about how looking in the mirror all the time kind of makes you hyper aware of like generally your front side or like just how you are with your neck turned. Um, it can kind of distort your own perception of yourself. Um, is, is that kind of something you've, you you found a, a fair amount, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've uh, approached the perspective of looking at myself from the various mirror points um, in self-observation. Uh, one thing that, without going too far on a tangent, I did something called neurofeedback as a child, which, albeit not a widely recognized therapy, it is still a therapy based in neuroscience. And I did a lot of stuff to... <clears throat> manage and regulate how my eyes moved in space and to know that they didn't have to always be darting around to observe space. So it was a real challenge to like watch the screen if it was at a screen. Cause I, at first I was playing um, electrodes on my head and Pac-Man without my hands. I'm just a magician, nothing to do with the neurofeedback. Um, but that's the nature of it. You're doing stuff and working with some digital display of what maybe some registry of some signaling in your brain is or whatever. I, I didn't know enough at the time and I haven't gone back since. So uh, all I found is that it taught me to observe how my eyes traveled and the energy I spent in moving my eyes. So the less I had to move my head, the more I could stay focal. And the more I moved my head, the more I wanted to move my body. And I... I guess I figured out, especially through reading too, how to keep my face and head still and not just consume as much physical energy as possible while my eyes are working. And it's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. I think it's why so many uh, athletes, especially like baseball players, are overlooked at being maybe not physically athletic in some in some cases. You'd see a lot of people that don't necessarily strike the pose of being a Grecian statue, but their eyes can track at the rate of uh, a predatory bird. So they can grab something going in space that you might not know move past you until the sound of it. Um, but back on the mirror thing, the way that I see it is as I was starting to observe the relationship between how my eyes at points didn't want to move, I started to come into contact with uh, impediment points. So like I started to articulate range. My, you have to stop crying. I understand that you have a lot to say, but this is not a point that you even have anything to say on. Sorry, my dog is just like, we'll talk. Um, the thing that I started to do was I started to observe how my eyes observed uh, or responded to stimulus. So one thing that I was saying, like my body would start to move or my uh, I, tr I start to chase the movement of my head. And that frenetic propensity was something that, that was essentially like I was skate. I was like a... I was goading myself into feeling like I needed to move almost like giving the stimulus or imbibing the frenetic so that I could justify wanting to move and dispel my focus. And as I learned how to control those things, I learned, I had to learn how to make myself interested in the focus that I was creating 
which is essentially like managing my ADD without Ritalin or whatever. And so reading was a real good benefactor for that. Sports were good, though my hand-eye coordination until I fixed my my visual field was terrible. Um, now I can grab things out of the air and not really worry about it. The thing that I like to perceive of is that we are a mirror between this part or this plane of our, our of our body, almost like our eyes are looking inward at each other. And the more that our body can look at itself, the more that it's going to reference that there's a space in between that it's mirroring off of. And the better that we can be reflexive or reflect that mirror behavior, just using English, and I don't know if there's a tide to that in the science, but I'm sure it is because it, the associative of uh, mirror neurons and then the associative reflexive behavior being a uh, inhibitory or non-inhibitory process responding to bracing or creating bracing. It's the other side of the coin. So where most people try to train isolated behaviors because they're not training that behavior to also coincide with a concurrent reflex, they're not training the mirror. And we actually have uh you and i haven't gone into this language yet so uh it might not be something that we get super excited about but dave as we've been going through some of the osteopathy stuff i've been able to talk on some structure things and maybe we actually have talked about the x but i haven't been able to like formally process it as well as he's like oh yeah these structures and then when i'm applying it to like bone moving it's just very relevant to his process but we're like a broken plane of uh mirrors like in this like an x that goes down through our core so it's like we have a plane here a plane here and then the reverse plane so like the back is if it had eyes and that pie goes down through us and we can manage that this is one part of the plane but so is that so anytime that we're moving through reflected behavior say through the rib cage if i'm moving and i'm predisposing action into one plane then the two related or contra-related planes, so the ones that are paired on the same side or the ones that are paired on the opposite side, there's just going to be no mirroring behavior. And so rotation is oftentimes inhibited by the affect of because there's no mirroring behavior of the superficial tissue, the nerves that are more deeper or more deep in the layering are, are affected by the lack of stability. So they defer outward because everything in the center is taking too much force. And so to manage that force, things have to lock up and that locks up blood flow. And it's just the nature of if we can't mirror behavior without the context of our eyes retaining that kind of like refraction behavior, almost like it gives us the ability to take the eye and then turn it into the darkness of our body and like look at ourselves, which I kind of see as interoception. That capacity uh, is very well or explained rather in um sorry i'm talking so much jack cruz's podcast with andrew huberman talking about how light is absorbed and then the mitochondria starts to con uh, convey that light into a self um manufactured state of light so starting to basically turn the light in on ourselves um and there's so much to do with how we reoxygenate and that convergence breath that we do that I would argue that MoveMed brings it a step farther and not just bringing interoception, but bringing in the efficiency of the entire structure by way of becoming a, a mirror 
of all the refractive points via breath and what we do to the eyes. Yep, it's a different structural housing for light um, that we don't perceive as like, we don't perceive our bodies as, as light, but that is essentially what they are. We, but what our sensory experience is more based off of pressure. It's more based off of, um, it's like flow or, I mean, you can, you can sense energy in a sense. And I guess that is kind of light based. Um, yeah, everything who, light energy. Yeah. For somebody who like very uninitiated and thinking about that and, and doesn't even really understand what you mean by like mirroring when it comes to like one side of the body or the other, like, you know, the simplest version would be if I like turn like both arms, like they're mirroring each other, right? In the same way, if I do this to a mirror, it's going to do the same thing back. Um, now, now tying it into actually like looking in a mirror, I can watch myself on video and I can see, okay, I'm actually maybe rotating my right side a little bit faster than my left side or my left side's not actually twisting as much, um, which is where the value of like using a mirror can sometimes be helpful, even though you would like to feel maybe the difference you might not be able to you can see it and then try to be like oh what happens if i actually try to move my left as fast yeah watching yourself do it i think the processing of yourself do it making sure you're not following the mirror so some people don't have a context for what it means to look at something and objectively have their eyes be observed or perceive the sensation of their eyes being still which is something i had difficulty with so when we manage our breath what we're really doing is we're trying to concurrently feel a vestibular equalization almost like you're on a plane and you're trying to equalize your ears you're underwater if we can get the pressure to manufacture some semblance of filling up the void space around our eyes and the sinus everything that is ballooned and can be pressurized gets to start to uh, saturate the the feed of oxygen and fuel then there won't be a couple of things happening a bloating effect like i had when i couldn't breathe into parts of the bone in my face like the huge change that's happened around my eyes is not a visual thing like my eyes are acute relative certain certain abilities but one thing that limits them is the ability for them to rotate in structure because they're swelling around the actual uh, uh orbital bone and when i have this restriction it's not even just my 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 eyes it's the the bone or not just the bones of my eye socket it's the bones of behind underneath above everything's collapsed into spaces that have been compressed so as that starts to resaturate the bone starts to breathe better then the offloading of pressure is going to allow my eye to start to uh, entertain more aperture through that lens without having to look up at that range or having to find extension to manage that light and the better we can manage stimulus in a non-extensive state, rather we don't have to be in this state to be like, I can tolerate intensity. You can just be neutral. You could have your eyes closed. You could even negate your eyes position. Once we get to that point, then it's no longer a focal conscious effort to be relaxed. We don't want to be focusing to be relaxed. And that's, I think, the, the, the deficit of so much of this assessment uh, game, whether it be see health where i got a lot of the eye education or nerve nervous education or uh, fp where you got a lot of the motion education like if we start to articulate that the assessment is all what we can observe and we can't observe what observes or rather we can't 
pay attention to the thing that we are trying to pay attention through, then we're kind of negating the idea of everything being a sensory process. We're appropriating that only some sensory process is important, which is the input as opposed to, uh, or sorry, the output of behavior as opposed to the input of sensory uh, stimulus. We don't we don't want to know what's going on outside of what we can manage. So we stay in our our fixed field of view and stability, and then our eyes start to have the whole body converge forward. And at the end of the day, we need to learn how to not be super focal so that we can go into meditation, so we can go into interoception. So that suction, that vacuum can start to build and we can have a bodybuilder body without having to be stuck in the gym 24-7. And odds are when you're in that state, you can probably mirror behavior better. You don't have to necessarily overthink. Like, what is that person doing? I had a really interesting experience just like running on the indoor track where, and I'm still like get back into running and my form is like still very far from where it needs to be in terms of like the force I can handle through my ankle, but running or getting passed by somebody all of a sudden I'm like, why is he going faster? And my body just it, it, it kind of intuitively starts to almost like match. And there's a little bit of intention on my part. It's like, let's see if I can keep up or whatever, um, which is fairly natural in that kind of context. And I was able to run like by far my fastest because there were some decently fast people there. And I could kind of try to mimic what they were doing and their stride length, their cadence and whatnot. And it, that's a huge. Yeah. I'm right, Remind me that if I forget the topic, continue. Yeah. And yeah, just like the amount of bounce and there, like there was one guy that was a lot more like up and down and it felt kind of nice to like be a little more like, um, like walk, like running gorilla esque or whatever, not trying to have like the perfect stride, just kind of right. run through the forest with some heaviness to your step. And then there was a girl who was faster than that guy who was more like kind of almost like the FP version. Like she was definitely like, like really using her arms and her shoulders, but she had really nice like leg drive or like her hips were moving a lot easier than mine were and again i just by from running behind her i just kind of pick up the slight mm -hmm. subtleties of their rhythm which is totally. great yeah dude that's why kids are so important to have in uh social settings and not have them stuck in a classroom to learn behaviors because you're watching objectively you you're you're seeing a person who doesn't have more often than not you can say subjectively it, it'd be a different thing for most individuals maybe it's a health issue maybe that they're vibrant and vivacious in one way or another but you're looking at not a very healthy populace of people when you're looking at a, a teacher uh and that's not to say all of them it's just the amount of time spent indoors the amount of time spent not doing stuff that would otherwise foster a healthy lifestyle like enough money to spend on enough food or medicine say that something comes up you're just gonna assume that it's a i'm just explaining why i'm saying they're unhealthy uh but having uh, kids manage around a mirror that doesn't behave in a way that they could potentiate suggests that their potential is going to be diminished by that mirror. So I had, I have four older brothers and a, a bunch of like male and physical influence. So I, I managed around certain things that may have perceived as bigger injuries or limitations as a kid, just because I saw like, oh, could I one day be like that instead of fixating on what? I perceived as being the full potentiality. So having mirrors is huge. It really does give the the viewer some hope or just some uh, a prediction matrix they have no experience for. 
So when you can start to create some dopamine and reward and focus around something that isn't necessarily tangible, but you can make more tangible over time, that's the nature of humanity and survivability, adaptability. So I'd say mirroring in the right context when you're running behind that woman who probably has a more stable pelvic floor than you, you may not have wanted to watch her arms pump, but what you picked up on, that's not going to help me here, but oh, this is helping me here. That's what a mirror is. You're like, okay, I'm starting to see myself in a way that I can't yet interocept. So it's a, it's a difference between proprioception, though it does require heavily, rely heavily on proprioception such that when you're, when you are proprioceptive, you're trying to see like, does this feel like she looks like? Yeah, you can you can watch an athlete and be like, oh, I bet that feels really nice or really strong or like really like whippy or whatever. And I guess maybe if you don't have that sensory relationship with yourself, then maybe you can't really like fathom. You can't look at an athlete and even come close to comprehending what that might feel like. Um, which is kind of where you have to build up your sensory relationship. And that, again, is really the root of what we do to be able to take somebody who is just like very much athletically uninclined to be able to start to perceive how they could be athletic. Totally. Yeah, it all comes down to uh, perception. So if you can give yourself some degree of, I can do this, I will figure out how to do this, this will get done then the notion of let's do it gets interwoven into it's an excitement over effort. And the more we can get excited over effort without any constraints over, uh, I don't know if I can do this. It's going to be hard. Our brain doesn't need those thoughts. It's they're there. They're going to happen. And if we can train ourselves to not necessarily prioritize them, then we'll prioritize being functional. We'll prioritize making it make sense in as little step as a few steps as possible. So the mirror should not be a mirror of our thoughts. Uh, it should be a mirror of human behavior outside of us or animal behavior outside of us. Hey guys, Ben here. Just a quick break from the show. I want to touch on some new things happening at Movement. Um, you might have seen if you're following us on Instagram that we've run a bunch of coaches through a certification process over the last uh, four to five months, we're taking them through kind of what we think is a foundational framework of drills and concepts to uh, address really any human body in its current state and assess how their nervous system is taking in the environment and, and processing and creating uh, movement output. Um, and that's been a really cool process to see uh, the coaches go through themselves and a lot of them have reported uh, large improvements in their overall health and issues they were dealing with and increased confidence in dealing with like their tougher cases uh, in their training roles as well. So really successful. And we decided to take the kind of video content from uh, these certifications and uh, put it online as a web course. So we have our recovery trainer certification or, or, or RTC web course, uh, which is available now. We, we just put that out like a, a week ago. I uh, chopped it up in a way that made sense to me um, in an order that seemed to, to kind of flow. And it's going to be a, a, an evolving platform. I don't want it just to stay the way it is and we forget about it. Um, I want this to be a hub for um, trainers to utilize for years, not just something they go through once or twice. I want them to have this as a resource, say, oh, my, my client's really dealing with some foot stuff. I'm going to revisit 
um, something that we did before or, or realize, oh, there's actually been some new content added since the last time and, and I'm going to check that out and maybe uh, get some help. So when you're buying this web course, you are kind of buying into like the movement coaching community. Um, along with that web course, we're also offering uh, the opportunity for people to still get the one-on-one -on -one sessions that uh, many of our coaches got in these groups. Um, and we're, we're setting it up so that you go through six weeks of the, the seven week module with, uh, with our coaches, um, and yeah, getting some one-on-one -on -one sessions, doing some group sessions with people who are going through it at the same time and, and recreating the recipe for success that our past participants, uh, have gone through. So there's going to be links in the YouTube description to, uh, these things or the, the podcast description. Um, you can just get the web course, but if you want to actually be a certified coach to have the potential to run your own coaching groups under our, uh, framework, you have to do the coaching. We do need to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with you to, um, to feel comfortable with you representing us and, and to know that you are actually like applying the information. So when you're a part of our coaching community, there will be, um, just like community message boards that you'll be a part of and we'll schedule some um like monthly or whatever time frame like meetups where we can just like chat about what's working ask questions uh to whoever and and yeah just you know have that be a way to continue your experience and, and your uh interactions within the community and with the information um we also want to give our coaches tools to run their own workshops and be able to kind of make a name and, and bring awareness to this information in their own local communities. So to be able to go to like a CrossFit gym and run a three hour recovery workshop and have some of the like marketing materials and uh, the, the PowerPoint uh, there and like have a template for them to customize and make their own, just, just really help uh, people take bigger business steps should they want to. And you don't have to, if you're uh, certified with us, but It'd be really cool to um, to see people really, again, thrive with this information, um, not just for our own benefit as movement. Of course, that that helps us and there will be uh, proper kickbacks and, and, and whatnot. So we'll try to have it all, all organized, which is going to be a lot of fun for me to, to, to have to put all the red tape around. But over time, it will, yeah, just be like a, a self-supportive system. Um, and if you want to be a part of it, uh, go through the web course, go through the coaching package, or come to one of our live events. And that's the uh, the last piece is, and really I should probably put this at the start, kind of buried the lead, but in Santa Rosa, uh, July 21st to 23rd, we're having our first in-person uh, certification event. So that means instead of having to do the uh, online portion, which you could still do and you can do both if you wanted, um, you can get the more condensed in-person teaching of the information through the certification events. So there again, I'll put the link down to that below. It's like in 10 days. So I'm pretty understandable if you already had plans, uh, weddings and whatnot. But if you happen to be free and you want to come to our first event, I imagine it'll be a smaller group. And over time, these will not be smaller groups. So if you want that more like kind of intimate to, and just like to get a lot of attention on your own uh, understanding and, and have your questions answered and yourself be a focus, 
then coming to one of these early ones, especially this first one, might be the, the way to go. So if there, anyone has questions about any of this, um, they're, they're intrigued, they want to know more, just uh, shoot me a message on Instagram or email. Uh, Benjamin at movemed.net is my email. Um, but otherwise, we hope to see some of you at the uh, certification event in Santa Rosa. We hope to see some of you and have already seen some of you by our web course. If you have, thank you so much for your support. Um, it, it means a lot to, to have people on a higher ticket item um, be willing to make that commitment and, and trusting of us to supply value. And I absolutely know that that web course supplies value and it will continue to even more so as we go. So you, you really can't uh, lose. You might lose only if you wait too long and the price goes up. So sooner than later, I would encourage. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. I think the two contexts for this, actually, when you had said the gate thing, the worst mirror you can ever challenge yourself on is an unnatural mirror. So when people are uneducated, but they go to a uh, an environment that seems to be uh, experienced and people have, have years of background in that environment, but it's new to the person experiencing it. It's very easy to uh, want to mirror something that has years and years of like um, trial and error behind it. And if there's not a language to it, then the whole notion is mirror behavior and mirror behavior doesn't take overnight, which is why uh, so much of human behavior, so many kids are led to be dysfunctional because they're watching their parents who have almost no emotional intelligence or no physical intelligence, or maybe their environment isn't alive enough. So the kids are just bored because they're like, I need electricity. I need some degree of not superficial electrical charge, but they're semiconductor. Every kid is, every human is a semiconductor. So if we're not physically able to restore our energy recycling network, then what's going to happen is while we're growing, we're going to depreciate certain efforts or potentials of our body or our brain or our nervous system in exchange for growth. So we're still going to grow up to our puberty, whatever. Maybe we'll be shorter. Maybe we'll be uh, uh, stunted. But it's not like things just stop happening because something's not there. They just happen worse. And so people get this misnomer that, oh, because I'm doing something that's proactive, I'm making myself develop. We're always developing whether we know it or not. The active effort to mirror is going to make us develop more actively. So we create more neural pathways that we don't necessarily have to put language to because we're seeing someone who had put some construct. Oh, I'm seeing safe behavior. They say it's safe. They're doing, why would they do it if it's not safe? The thing is, if there's no language to that person, if they haven't built that construct, like someone has in the gym for doing years and years of deadlifts and they're running on a treadmill and they're like, I can do this, I can do this. But they try to take that running gate off a treadmill. The environment's not the same anymore where the person going between the stressor and the stimulus at the gym, the environment doesn't matter. That person has learned how to, how to functionally put the reinforcement to the behaviors they're looking for, where uh, most people are trying to act on the surface of the device they're using, whether it be, uh, FP, if it's the curved treadmill, or in the case of a lot of the Z health practitioners, I see a lot of them, uh, using visual tooling or some degree of, uh, um, device to track with the eyes, but very few of them I've ever seen develop the muscles that coincidentally help support the eyes, like jaw training, neck training, 
skull and scalp training, the amount of people that just disregard scalp training, even though when you see the first gestures that people make being in the face and most people can't even elicit surprise. So when you see like big expressions are usually like muted and diminished on someone. So their ability to express is not even there. If people are so restricted to their mirroring and they don't see the safety or the allowance to be able to do a bunch of things and then learn how to fix those things through experience and continued trial and error, watching this mirror, watching this mirror, finding a better mirror, finding a better mirror. At the end of the day, they're going to be a fractured, shitty mirror with a bunch of different refractions showing behaviors that belong to a bunch of people, but very little coherence. How much do you think mirroring occurs uh, through a screen? Like when I'm watching either an athlete or even I'm watching like a, a movie star and the way that they're expressing whatever. How much do you think the body picks up on that? I think the body picks up on it in the same, but because people can't contextualize depth in the same, they may very well think that the expression is bigger than it is. So if, if there's something loud happening and they don't see that there's a depth of eight inches between the front and the back of their head or whatever it is, like it's four and a half, five inches then they may very well believe that while they're wearing this expression, they're managing that effort better than, and so they might just remember the behavior of wearing the expression, but not knowing what it looks like or feels like to be around. And that's going to be one of the bigger things. That's why when I do stuff, I don't like to demonstrate all that much. I like to walk someone through. And then when they start to present with language to describe their sensations, I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's good. We're working through this. And then after a session, they're like, I just did that on myself. And I now have some context for doing it on myself. They may not know what they did. They may not believe it. But at the end of the day, we want to trust that we are a mirror, even though we mirror everything. So if we don't represent a mirror, then what we don't realize is every single time someone gives us feedback, they're just showing us our mirror to some degree. Yeah. Feedback is just ref reflected light. I think one of the things I sorry, I got another thing. Uh, equilibrium, Ben Equilibrium, heck of life. They, uh, they really do a good job of presenting with a mirror without attending to the visual stimulus. So creating an atmosphere of entertainment or an atmosphere of enjoyment, so having someone be motivated about an effort without really knowing what the focus is, that's what we're trying to allocate, but for a basis in the nervous system. So they're doing that by creating habitual behavior, and it may not coherently translate to everyone, but it is another fast track to getting to what we're also trying to get to. So fun has a huge measurable place in a lot of this. And uh, with the exception of people who I suppose need a little bit more rehab and therapy, um, I think almost every single person can do with that kind of training. Yeah. I was going to ask if there's any other considerations as a trainer in how you present yourself as a mirror. So it's interesting that you say that you don't tend to demonstrate a ton because um, like with the with the FP stuff and any of the more like choreographed functional movements, it's very common for the, the trainer to actually do them alongside the client just to give them a way to like basically copy, which is kind of the, the least verbal or least, I don't know, the, the, the easiest way to teach some people if they're strictly visual. Um, and there's definitely like a, a time and place for that. With our stuff, I find myself yeah, sometimes demonstrating, like I was just showing some vacuums today and I was like, here's kind of like what you can like try to aim for in terms of how it looks or whatever. Um, but I can see that there'd be some pitfalls of that. Um, but yeah, I have any considerations that people should 
come away with? I don't want to sound uh, demeaning because I don't think of it in this light. I just think about another living creature with a different capacity for intelligence. But the the distinction is a lack of language between us. But when I discuss with people who I know won't understand my words, they may understand my example. But I'd have to go through a screening of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I don't want to do that because that's not the the base issue. The fact is they can't trust information without it being something that gets thrown down their throat over and over and over until they're able to swallow it. And we need for there to be more encouragement to swallow what things are not pleasant so that it can brace through that unpleasantness. Because you can see so much of that reflected behavior coinciding with a lack of breath, with a lack of the swallow mechanics, with a lack of associative parasympathetic behavior. So if I see that someone is super disassociated from things that should be reflexive, then I can't mirror that person. And so I emphasize being a mirror to those people. And with that said, it's going to be probably the least comfortable session for those people relative and for myself included, because there's going to be more languaging of the processing than there would for other people. And that's to say, if we think in terms of higher order or higher function, uh, primary brain, secondary brain, uh, tertiary brain. But if we think in terms of evolutionary process, primary brain, secondary brain, tertiary brain. So when we say reflex, if we're into a, a stage of intensity, then we're probably going to be more of that dog-like entity or that chicken-like entity where we're like, and not know how to put words to our feelings, which is as simple as a thing we can describe when the dog freaks out and it's barking all over the place, but we're like, what's going on? What's going on? And you don't know how to calm it down. That's like language and behavior are going in two different directions and their brains are like, dude, that's what I see with a lot of people. And if I can show them what it's like to be coherent through things and I'll talk them through things that upset me or frustrate me, particularly my own difficulties. And I'm like, and I'm having trouble with this, I'll manage this. And then and I'll point out, see, when you tried doing that, when you mirrored me there, it you didn't feel that you felt the heaviness, right? And then I'll just indicate where sensory behaviors are just being ignored. And the more that they can start to emulate paying attention to themselves, that's the biggest thing that I want to emphasize that I think I've forgotten the notes for the, the cert book, which is self is the precursor to anything outside of us. So what I mean by that is being selfish, being selfless, being whatever. We first have to construct self, who, what, how, when, where, why we are. And if we have most of those things written out for us, then we didn't really design ourselves. We kind of just took a role and we were like, these are the things that I'm allowed to do. When in actuality, the, at the end of the day, when we come down to being like a human being, like a vessel of life or whatever, if we have nothing, circumstantially, if if the same person that was born in uh, Iraq, for example, is born as my neighbor, and I switch over there, and our religions and our cultures and everything switches, respective where I was born, uh, and who am I at my structure of being? And that you can argue that there's not even a structure there so more simply if i lose all my my ability to self-sustain and i'm basically on the street i have my dog and just myself 
I'm still alive, can I create purpose from being alive or do I have to have it be a, a byproduct of all the, all the things I have? And the real thing that constructs that integrity or that bio-integrity, not even bio-tensegrity, the bio-integrity, having a trust in your biological self is that it doesn't quit on you or fight you in language. So if you if you wanted to form words to someone else, but your body didn't feel those words, there's a disassociation. And if you have to put on a mask to feel your words, then you're having to convince your brain to feel a way that you don't feel. And if that's something that is an issue, that's something that essentially means you're not a person, you're a collection of experiences trying to mirror itself and figure out who you are in that moment. And that's not personhood. So, so what's the what's the solution then? Do you uh, just stare in front of, at yourself in a mirror for uh, for two hours straight? Uh, do you walk into the desert for two months straight? Um, I would say speak your fears out loud so they stop growing in your mind. And so that when you can become more tangible than your thoughts, you start to identify that your words are only descriptions of things that are less detailed. And they are pervasive in feeling, but they are not pervasive in construct. So we can start to learn that feelings are only an attachment to things. And a law of like a, the idea of having no attachment is more an idea of I don't need to assert my feelings mean something here. Perhaps I am scared. Perhaps I am not prepared. And it simply means that I'm not sure what to do here. And if that's the case, we can identify more things that are less consequential and more feedback. Like I said, a mirror. So if our health is a mirror to our behavior, then we don't need to say I'm not healthy because that's a that's a structuring of our behavior, of our mind, our, our, our thinking capacity around our feelings. So if you put if you choose words without deciding to see what the words you're using mean or the feelings you have even convey then you're deciding to live an example that does not feel. And so for people who want to feel, you can't be looking at words that don't contextualize your existence, which is honestly my real main constraint with religion in text is that most people don't contextualize life through mistake and experience of personal viewership or individual. It's usually like a story explained by someone else, which is to say everyone's running away from making mistakes and you have to make mistakes. Mistakes are the beauty of us. It's where we can really identify if we want to fix them or if we want to live in our shit and better you can see who wants to live in their shit because start to identify that we just mirrored some assholes somewhere along the way. Myself included. We're all assholes at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. Truth. Okay. Well, I think that's a, that's a great place to wrap it. I, I figured the mirror topic could go all over the place and it did. Wonderfully so. Um, that's what, how light works, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>